Matthew 20, verse 20 is where we're at today. If you'd like to stand, we're going to read the Word of God. And uh, Matthew 20, 20. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. He said to her, what do you want? She said to him, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand, one at your left, in your kingdom. Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, we're able. He said to them, you will drink my cup. But to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came Not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for for giving us this opportunity to be great in the kingdom of God. Father, I pray that you would whet the appetites of those in this room, that they would want that, that they would want to be great, that they would want to make an impact, that they would want to be significant in the kingdom, God, that you would just put it in their hearts to serve, God, to to leave this building wide open, ready to to invest in others for the sake of your name. Father, please give us a willing heart to be great servants. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I don't know about you guys, but uh, don't you kind of want to be a little critical of James and John and their mom? We think her name's Salome, by the way. Uh, we, I think we find that in another place in the scripture. But don't you want to be just a little bit critical? Like, like here Jesus just told them he was going to the cross. And now the, the first thing they have to say is, well, hey, when, when you get to your kingdom, can we be on your right and your left? Can we have place number one and place number two? You know, we want the top two spots in the kingdom. I mean, yeah, you kind of want to be like, man, that's that's awfully brazen, is it not? You know, um, maybe it is, maybe it's not. Um, here's what I know, though. Jesus just talked about thrones. Like, they're, they're not pulling this out of the air. In fact, if you remember last week, at the end of the, the rich young ruler uh, passage, the rich young ruler has just kind of been offered eternal life. He's been offered satisfaction and joy in Christ forevermore. And he says, you know what? I want my stuff more. I'd rather have my stuff than I would Jesus. And he walks away. And you remember what Peter does? Peter says, well, Lord, we've left everything. So what shall we have? And Jesus says, look, you know, no matter what you left, I'll guarantee you, I will be be more to you than whatever you sacrificed. And then he says to the disciples this. This is in verse um, 37, I believe. Um, Peter says in reply, see, we've left everything and follows you. What should we have? And Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So it's really, they say this in the context of what they've just been told, that, that indeed they are going to reign with Jesus, all right? And, and then second of all, I would have you consider that every, every mom and dad in this room wants their kids to be great, Okay. So let's just be real honest. We're not very different than Salome, are we? You know, we, we all want our kids to be successful. We all want our kids to, 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 to excel and to do well. We deeply want that. 
If you don't believe that, go to any soccer game, okay? Go, go to peewee football. That's where you see it. There's a bunch of dads in peewee football that really genuinely believe their little dude's going to play in the NFL, you know? I mean, they, they believe he's ready now, actually, you know? I mean, th- parents are like that. If you don't believe me, hang out with some dance moms before competition, all right? You're going to find out that all moms and dads want their kids to be great. And I, if we're honest about ourselves, a lot of times kind of life beats it out of us a little bit. But I think all of us, we want to be significant too. We, we want to be great. We want, we want to do significant things. And, and here's what I would tell you this morning. There is nothing wrong with that. There's actually everything right with that. There's something wrong with the person that says, I want to do the bare minimum in the kingdom of God. There's something wrong with the person that says, hey, I, want to, I want to give all my life to my worldly efforts, to my business, to making money, to my family and, and, and the kingdom. If I can just do the bare minimum and slide into heaven, I'll be happy with that. There's something wrong with that guy. Jesus says you ought to want to be great. You know how I know that? Because he tells us how. He says, whoever would be great, here it is. Whoever would be first, here's how you do it. Now, if Jesus is telling us, here's how you do it, he must want us to be, right? And so, so we should want to be great. The, the, the kicker is defining greatness rightly. Now, James and John, they're still thinking like the world. They're still thinking about positions and prominence. They're thinking about having, having control over other people. They're thinking about privilege. They're thinking about what they can get in terms of greatness. And Jesus says, you know what? That's the way that people who don't know God think about greatness. Notice in verse 25 what he says to them. He says, but Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles. Now, we're Gentiles. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Okay, there's only kind of two groups of people in the world from a biblical standpoint, Jews and Gentiles. But, but in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, whenever it talks about Gentiles, it's really describing people who don't know God, people that don't have a relationship with God, people that don't know the true God, okay? And that's why Jesus is using it here. He's saying, don't you know that, that the rulers are the people who don't know God, the Gentiles, lord it over. Here's what greatness is to them. They lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. In other words, for most people in the world, Greatness is controlling others. Greatness is having the power or the position or the charisma or the influence or the authority to get people to do what you want them to do, right? That's what greatness is to the world. Greatness to the world is I'm able to tell you what to do. I've got people that are doing what I say. I've got people that are doing what I want them to do. For most people, that's what greatness is. And how do you get that kind of greatness? Well, man, you fight for it, right? You, you push others down to get yourself up. You find the right positions. You ask first. You be first. You earn first. You, you, you get first over others. You, you get the right connections or the right networking. You know the right people. You promote yourself and sell yourself and do favors with strings attached. And you outperform everyone. And you work harder. And you get there earlier. And you cut out your competition. And none of those things are close to what Jesus did. And here's what I would tell you this morning. Jesus is great. Okay? Jesus is great. Any definition of the word greatness that is a real definition, impact, influence, deeds, power, glory, legacy, blessing, lives transformed, exaltation, glory, Jesus Christ tops them out. And so if we want to be great, we've got to be like him. And so he says two things about that. How do you be great? He says, be like me. And essentially, here's what he says. Be willing to pay the price and suffer for the kingdom. Number two, be willing to serve for the sake of others. 
and the good of the kingdom. Okay? Suffering and service. Okay? So real quick, we're going to look at the first one just briefly, briefly. And then, then we're going to jump to service, which is where I want to spend the rest of our time. All right, so Jesus says two ways in this passage, suffering and serving. So when, when Salome asks for, for her two sons to sit as, at Jesus' right and left, Jesus responds in verse 22 by saying, you don't know what you're asking for. Um, okay, I don't know that this was in his mind, but I think it was. He just told him he was going to the cross. If you, if you, if you look above verse 20, uh, if you look at 19, 18, he says, Son of man's going to be delivered over the chief priests and scribes. They're going to condemn him to death, deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he'll be raised on the third day. He just said he's going to the cross. And now they ask, we want to be on your right and your left hand. Do you, do you see where I'm going with that? We're, we're, Jesus is about to go to the cross. Who's, who's on his right and his left on the cross? People being crucified, right? And you remember what Jesus told us in our first memory verse, Matthew 16, 24, right? Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Okay? I really believe Jesus has that in mind. But he says, are you able to drink the cup? Okay? Drink the cup is really a a phrase that means, are you able to do this hard thing? Are you able to finish this hard thing? Are you able to do something different? Stay, Stay with something difficult until the end? Endure something difficult no matter what the cost is? In Matthew 26, right before Jesus would go to the cross, right before he'd be arrested... He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. In verse 39, it says, Going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. You see what the cup is there? The cup is his suffering. It's his, his cross. It's, it's being accused and, and tortured and, and, and forsaken and taking the sins of the world upon himself. And Jesus is willing to drink that cup. And so when he tells the folks here, when, when, when he tells James and John, are you able to drink this cup? He's saying, are you able to suffer? Are you able to do the hard things that will lead to greatness? Second of all, Jesus said that to be great in the kingdom of heaven, you have to be willing to serve. Okay, look at 26 and 27. Okay, he says this two times for us, all right? 26, he says, it shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant, okay? So if you want to be great, you got to be a servant. Verse 27, whoever would be first among you must be your slave, okay? So great, servant, first, slave, okay? Great and, and, and first really mean the same thing, and servant and slave actually pretty much in this context mean the same thing. The only difference between a servant and a slave is that one is owned and one is not, but actually in the function of their daily life, they both do menial tasks for other people. Yeah, that's what they do. In other words, both the servant and the slave, what they do with their life is pour it out for the good of others, right? That's what they do. They do the small tasks for other people. They're always serving other people, right? Now, just being a servant or just being a slave doesn't, doesn't make you great, okay? So maybe you're thinking, well, hey, I got a job where I'm the slave, you know? I got a job where I'm at the bottom of the rung and I'm the servant of the whole office and so I must be great. Well, Maybe not, okay? Because what Jesus is talking about is choosing to care for others in a service way for the glory of God to advance the kingdom. He's not talking about just having a job where you can't move up. He's talking about you choose to be that. You choose to serve. Now, we've got a really clear picture of what this looks like in Jesus. Okay, so verse 28, Jesus says, even as the Son of Man. Okay, he's the Son of Man. Okay, so he says, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And then he gives a great, beautiful picture of service here, okay? Ready? Not to serve, but to serve. 
Here it is, to give his life a ransom for many. Okay, I think there's three things there. Okay, if I, I break it up into three parts. To give his life a ransom for many. To give his life, number one, a ransom, number two, for many, number three. So that, that is the picture of service. Now let's, let's walk through what that meant for Jesus, okay? What that meant for Jesus is literally he gave his life to bless you, okay? Now when we say gave his life, we're not talking about metaphor there. We're saying Jesus actually spent his seconds and minutes and hours and days on this earth. He actually used his energy, his mind, his body, his gifts in order to bless you, in order to deal with your greatest enemy, which is death, your greatest problem, which is sin, and your deepest longing, which is eternal joy. Jesus did that for you with his life. He lived the perfect life. He lived in such a way that would serve us in bringing us forgiveness and redemption and life. He displayed the kingdom of God. He made God visible for us. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He loved the lepers. He was patient and forgiving with people who didn't get it. He bared with wicked men. He allowed himself to be arrested and attacked and unjustly accused and tortured and crucified. He spent his life. He spent his breath. He spilled his blood for my benefit. Okay, so when it says the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life, Literally, he's saying, I spent my life for you, okay? To give his life, now listen, as a ransom, as a ransom. Now, what's a ransom? Well, you're like, well, I've seen lots of TV shows where there's a ransom, right? I've seen lots of movies where there's a ransom. What always happens is somebody's captured, right? Somebody's enslaved. Somebody's in prison. Somebody's, somebody's being tortured, right? And their only way out is a ransom. They got to pay the price. But what ends up happening? Well, Jason Bourne or James Bond or Clint Eastwood or one of those guys, John Wayne, they come in, kill everybody else and let them free, right? That's what always happens in the movies, but that's not what always happens. In fact, in Jesus' day, the only way for a slave to be freed was for someone to pay the ransom price. You had to pay the price to, let some, to get somebody free. And Jesus is saying this, with my life, I was willing to pay the price for you. I was willing to do what had to be done. I was willing to pay the difficult price for your sin debt to bear the wrath of God for you. I was willing to pay that price for you. So to give his life as a ransom, then thirdly, for many, for us. Jesus did this that we might live and flourish. Okay, so that's our example, all right? Now, what is that going to mean for us, okay? What's that going to mean for Shelby? What's that going to mean for, for Ed? What's that going to mean for Jason, right? Well, it means that serving, being a servant, actually means giving parts of your life, okay? Now, here's where a lot of people, they, they won't make it over this hill, okay? So far in the sermon, you've been okay, right? We're like, hey, I'm, I'm great with Jesus doing this, okay? But now comes now comes it, do you have the engine, do you got the faith to get over this hill? Because this is the hardest one, okay? Giving your life actually means seconds and minutes and hours and days, okay? There is no way around that, like, there's no way to spiritualize this and be like, well, I serve people in my heart, pastor, you know? No, 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 that is not serving people. Serving people is you actually give your life. You actually give parts of your life. And then there's, there's no way to say parts of your life without saying you give your time, you give your seconds, you give minutes, you give hours, you give days, you give evenings, you give, you give 
afternoons and lunch breaks. You give energy and effort and resources and money and talents and gifts. You give yourself to others. You invest that in other people. That's the only way you'll serve. And there's a lot of people who will never serve because they won't ever do that. They've always got what? Something has to be done, right? Well, pastor, I I got this job and I got this this thing to take care of and I got this farm and I got this business and I got this hobby and I've got this this or that or that. And so I can't get my, I'm with you in spirit. I'm, I'm with Jesus in my heart, but I've got all this other stuff. Well, then you'll never be great. You'll never, you will forefoot greatness because you won't be willing to give your seconds and minutes and hours and days. You won't be willing to pay the price. You see, to serve, you got to pay the price. So you got to give your life to pay the price. What's the price? Well, a lot of times the price is humility. If you'll notice, ever in the New Testament, humility and service go hand in hand. You, you, you have to be willing to take a lower place to lift another up, right? A lot of people are never willing to stoop we, we got bad spiritual knees. You, you, know what, you know what that is, right? Yeah, some of you got bad knees, right? And some people got bad spiritual knees. So when they try to start to stoop to lift somebody up, oh, 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 no, 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 no. I can't do that, right? Okay? They got bad spiritual knees. They can't stoop to lift somebody. They're not willing to pay that price. They're not willing to get down, to get low in order to lift somebody up. They're not willing to pay the price of fatigue, of wearing yourself out on the behalf of others, or of discomfort, or enduring awkward, uncomfortable moments. The price of loss of resources. You have less so others can have more. The price of friendship. But Jesus says if you're going to serve, you've got you to be like me, even as the Son of Man gave his life as a ransom for many. You see, when you serve people, it can't be for you, right? Pharisees try to do that. It's like, I'm going to serve so people will see, and I'll get built up. No, no you, you can only, you only serve. The only great serving comes when it's for others, for many. In Philippians, I believe we have the greatest sentence in the Bible about what our target should be, what our bullseye is whenever we serve. Okay, however you serve, the variety of ways that this church will do that, your bullseye ought to be the same. And here it is, okay? So it's in Philippians 1. Let me give you a little context about Philippians 1. Paul is in prison. He is he's awaiting possible execution, and he does not know whether he'll live or die. And so Philippians 1 is Paul's kind of discussion with himself about, do I want to go to heaven and be with Jesus, or do I want to live and, and keep doing this? And, and kind of where he comes down is, actually, I'd rather go to heaven. That's better to be with Jesus, but I think it's better for you all, his friends, his church, his people he ministered to, that I stay. And he says, and so if I get to stay, here's what I want to do. It's in verse 25. He's just convinced of this. I know that I will remain, I love this, and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Do you see that last phrase? Isn't that beautiful? For your progress and joy in the faith. Paul's like, if I get to keep living, let me tell you how I'm going to spend my life. I'm going to spend my life in ways that result in your progress in the faith. You loving, trusting God more and your joy in God increasing. Man, I'll tell you, you know, you know you're hitting it with your service. You know you're serving your family well. You know you're serving your kids well when their joy in God increases, right? When, when, they're, when your actions result in them being happier in God, that's when you know you're hitting the mark of great service. 
And so let's put all this together, shall we? So here would be my summary statement for this passage. I, I would say this. Here, here's great serving. Here's greatness in serving. Is this giving your life to pay the price for others so that they might trust and obey and rejoice in God more. Okay, let me read that again. Giving your life to pay the price for others so that they might trust, obey, and rejoice in God more. Progress in faith, joy in faith, joy in God, all right? Now, the most exciting word in this passage is mentioned twice, both verse 26 and 27. Here's the exciting word, all right? This, this is the word that makes me leap for joy for us here today, okay? Are you ready? 26 and 27. It shall not be so among you, but, oh, isn't it beautiful, guys? But whoever, you see that? Whoever would be great. Whoever. Who's whoever? That could be any of us. Could it not? That could be any of us. Whoever would be great. Great in the kingdom. All right? It's an invitation. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant verse 27 again whoever would be first among you must be your slave that is so encouraging you know why that's encouraging because greatness in the world is not whoever you see greatness in the world is 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 always compared to others right it's you're the best at this right or you're you're great at this you're known for this you're impactful in this greatness in the world it's not possible for everybody okay I'm sorry for what your first and second grade teacher told you because they lied to you, okay? They did. I, I just, I don't believe you should lie to kids. And, and almost every first and grade, second grade teacher, they say this, you can be whatever you want. You, uh, not really. Not really. I'll tell you, folks, I could have shot 3,000 baskets a day from the time I was three years old to the time I was 25. I am not going to play in the NBA. I mean, it's just not going to happen, okay? It is not going to happen. I don't have the knees for it. I don't have the body for it. I don't have the height for it. I don't have the coordination for it. I'm not playing in the NBA, okay? I, I, I don't care what anybody says. You can take lessons. You can take voice lessons from the illustrious Bobby K. Caster Holiday, all right? You can take voice lessons from Bobby from the time you're a little kid, and then you can graduate up and go find Garth Brooks and take him from him, you know, and you can graduate up and go find... Who's the big Beyonce? Somebody like that. Take him from her. I'm not winning no Grammy, okay? Have you heard me sing? I mean, I'm okay. I sing for the Lord, but I'm not winning no Grammy. I remember a teacher telling us, you know, you could be an astronaut. You could be a rocket scientist. If you've seen me do algebra, you would not want me doing the trajectory to the moon for you, all right? There'd be no astronauts on that rocket. And I'm like, huh? I, I mean, seriously, like, I just don't have it in me. Like, I don't have it in me to be that. I will never be great at that. But in the kingdom, whoever. Whoever. Oh, that, that thrills my soul. Like, that makes me want to be great. That makes me want to have what Jesus is offering here. That makes me want to do what he's calling us to do because he says I can be great. I, I, I can make a difference. I can be impactful. I can move the kingdom forward for God's glory and for Jesus' sake. That's exciting. You see, you don't need a position. You don't need a title. 
You don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to be a deacon. You don't need to be a Sunday school teacher. You don't need to be a small group. You don't need any of that to be great in the kingdom of God. We've had people visit our church before. This, this breaks my heart. And, and they've told me, they said, well, you know, I visited your church, but, you know, I came in and you already got people playing the piano and the organ. You've already got a music leader and, you know, you got three or four, you know, teams over at Kansas Avenue that sing. And I went to Sunday school. You already got really good teachers. And I saw your bulletin. You have all those small group leaders already. I just, they say this, I just don't know if there's a place for me to serve. I just want to cry. Place for you to serve. There is a world of need out there right now. There's this book called The Trellis and the Vine. The best sentence in that book that I use all the time is this. The jobs are never taken. The jobs are never taken. Not, not the real kingdom jobs, okay? All right? Now, now listen, if you're thinking only of service and greatness in terms of position, in terms of, well, that guy is the pastor. That guy is the children's minister. That, you know, so I, 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 I got to go find a position. Listen, greatness in the kingdom is not that. Jesus says it's not that. It's serving. All right? It is, it is actions done through the power of the Holy Spirit that bring progress to people's faith and maximize their joy in God. That job is never done. Ever, ever, ever. It is endless to the end. Till Jesus comes back. Whoever. The jobs are never taken. You say, well, pastor, what kind of things do we do? I'm so glad you asked that question, all right? I am going to give you the drop of water on the tip top of the iceberg, okay? All right, that's what I'm giving you here, is, is the spot of water on the tip of the iceberg. In other words, we could talk about ways to serve people the rest of the day, all right? But let me give you a few, okay? What, what, what kind of needs are there for service? Well, people need friends, okay? People need someone to greet them in the church service. People need someone to know who they are. People need a word of encouragement. People need affirmation. People need comfort. People need someone to write a card with a scriptural affirmation of encouragement, put it in an envelope, put a 50-cent stamp on it, and put it in the mail. People need that. We, we did the funeral for our sister Donna Wells the other day, and not too long ago, and it blew me away that on her refrigerator, cards of encouragement sent by other saints in every Bible she owned, packed full of cards, some of them she had kept for decades, 20, 30, 40 years. She kept those priceless possessions of encouragement because they were people who served her. They served her simply through an act of encouragement and kindness. What do people need? Well, they need a ride. There are people that need rides all the time in this town. And there are lots of cars. Have you seen the cars in our parking lots? We've got great cars in this. We've got all kinds of cars. We've got motorcycles. We've got trikes. We've got four-wheelers. We've got things. I don't know what they are. But we've got transportation. And people need rides. People need coffee and a listening ear. You can change the trajectory of somebody's life. With seconds and minutes and an hour with a cup of coffee and a listening ear. There is a world full of people that need that. People need help. They need child care. They need someone to play with their son for an hour. They need someone to run a kid to soccer. They need someone to pick up a kid from voice lessons. And they need somebody who will do it 
with joy as if they're serving King Jesus. Okay? What they don't need is someone who pulls up, get out here! We're ready! Get in the car! You know? I had to pick you up, you know, and drive back and get out of my car. Yeah, they don't need that. You know what they need? They need someone that welcomes them in and says, oh, we're so glad to get to see you. How was your day? Let me tell you about what happened to our day. Hey, we're, we got our March memory verse. You know, let, let me read. We're going to read these together on the way to soccer. And then when you take them back, you walk them up to the door. And you know what you tell their mama? You tell their mama what their mama believes. This is such a precious little one, Okay. Even if they're a tyrant, you know what their mama believes about them? They're a precious little one. That's what Jesus says about them. So that's why you tell them, right? You do so with joy. You maximize their joy in God for Jesus' sake. You know what people need? They need a meal. People need a meal. They need cookies, okay? Everybody needs cookies, okay? I, I believe that firmly. People need carpenters. They need mechanics. They need financial counselors. They need someone to teach them the Bible. They need someone to encourage them to memorize Scripture. They need, people need their lawn mowed and their bushes trimmed and their dog taken to the vet. People need someone to talk to them about, talk to them about their stupid decision they're about to make and back them off from it. People need someone to back them off the ledge of their anger and their bitterness. Pe- people need people to help navigate Medicaid and figure out their taxes and snake out their sewer and move across town. And they need people who will do those things aiming to build up their faith and help them be happy in Jesus. People need People who are going to connect their actions to the faithfulness of God. People need people who are going to mow their lawn and give them marital counseling, all the while pointing them to Jesus, exalting Jesus, bragging on Jesus, and on and on and on we could go. And what's the commonality in all those? It is people who are giving their life, seconds, minutes, and hours, and they're paying the price for others. For the good of others, the spiritual good of others, for the faith and the joy in God of others. Now, how do we go about this, Pastor? Okay, let me give you three verses that say the same thing. Okay? But I want to show it to you three times. Hebrews 10 24 is the first one. Okay? Hebrews 10 24. It says this Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Okay? Let us consider. Okay, the word consider means to contemplate, it means to think about, it means to observe, it means to notice, it means to reflect upon, okay? Consider, how can I, how can I serve this person? How, what, what actions can I do? What, what thing can I, can I say? How can I serve this person that will stir them up to love and good deeds, that will help them to progress in their faith and to be joyful in God, okay? I cannot imagine the impact if people would give, let's just, let's just pick a number. If everybody in our small group system gave three minutes on Sunday afternoon to obey this verse, I've got a feeling revival might break out. Three minutes. I'm probably selling that way short. We ought to probably spend three hours. But, but I just wonder what would happen with three minutes. I wonder what would happen if, if before you went to small group prayerfully, Father in heaven, Going to small group. Joe's going to be there, and Dave's going to be there, and Sue's going to be there. God, what do they need? God, I almost been three sixty-second periods thinking about how could I serve them? How how could I build them up in faith? How 
could I increase their joy in God? I just wonder what three minutes would do. I wonder, I wonder the beautiful ways that the Holy Spirit would answer that prayer. You know, there's certain prayers that He always answers. I, man, I cannot think of a single time when I have prayed and said, God, would you open up an opportunity for me to share, to speak truth, to serve somebody? I can't, I can't think of a time where He has not done that. And I can think of a bunch of times where He did it in amazing ways. I've told you some of them, you know. Like I'm going for milk and someone beats it across the parking lot that I don't even know and says, hey, can you tell me what it means to be baptized? You know, I'm like, well, God, that was pretty obvious, you know. There it is, you know. Or, man, I was over at Bobby and Ramona's the other night. Bobby loves to tell the story about how we met. Uh, we met because he was, he was throwing something heavy in the back of his pickup, you know. And uh, I stopped and said, hey, I can help that guy, you know. We struck up a friendship, and now we get to see each other all the time. Man, aren't there endless ways that we can connect with people? Consider. Let us consider. But see, you got to do that. How many times do we not do that? We, we don't think about how. You know what we think about when we go to small groups? How much the beanie weenies cost, right? I just got this beanie weenie, got to cook this, and oh, so-and-so, they ain't going to bring nothing, you know, and i got to bring this every week. Boy, the Spirit will use that, won't he? <laughs> Philippians 1. Here, here's another one. Or 2. I'm sorry. Philippians 2. Philippians 2, 3 through 5. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Here's where humility always comes in with service. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. I mean, it's that whole shift. That whole shift of... Instead of being, okay, God, I got all this happening, and I got all this in my family, and I got all this pressure, and I got all this. I got, I got to pay attention to all this. This is all my stuff. I got, to, I got to get myself good here. Humility is, all right, God, I'm going to let you have all that. And for a moment, I'm, I'm going to turn my attention over here. I'm going to trust you, and I, I'm going to go ahead and stoop and get under somebody else and serve them. I'm going to think about their interests and, and not just my own. Last one is in Romans. These all say the same thing, but I'm always looking for a, a way to share Romans 1, 11, and 12. It's our small group theme. For I long to see you. This is Paul. He says, I long, I long to get together with you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Paul says, man, I, I just can't wait to get with you so I can, I can give you something spiritually of value. So I think we I think we serve well by doing obeying those three verses, by by actually giving time and prayer to how can I serve well? Turn our eyes off of ourselves and onto others. Okay, now what are the obstacles? You need to know that, right? Because when Jesus says you got to drink the cup, it's going to be hard. Okay, so what are the obstacles? Number one, most of the time. Opportunities for greatness will look and feel burdensome at the time. Okay? Everybody hear that? You got to know that. Uh, it, it was comical even this week as I'm praying through and thinking about this, this passage. How many times like a need is presented to me and my initial feeling is, ah, I got to do this other thing. You know, I'm a... it's always going to be that way. 
Okay, so just get used to that. That that these opportunities are going to feel burdensome at the moment. First Peter 4 says this. This is uh, verse 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Why in the world would Peter tack that on the end? It's First Peter 4, 4 9, 8 and 9. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Why would he tack, tack grumbling on there? You know why? Because hospitality is opening up your life. It's opening up your pocketbook. It's opening up your house, opening up your living room, opening up your bathroom, opening up your car to other people, right? And how do most of us go through life? We go through life like this. We're headed to Walmart. We told the family, I'm going in and out. I'll be in there five minutes. I'm going to go get Doritos. I'm going to be right out. That's all I'm going to do, right? You go in there, your tunnel vision, you're headed for the Doritos. You grab them, you turn around. There they are, right? Right in the aisle. There went your five minutes. What are we tempted to do? Grumble about that, right? So number one, realize that opportunities for greatness are going to look and feel burdensome. Okay, number two, expect to be unappreciated, unwanted, and misunderstood. Okay, now why, why would I say that if you aim to serve, you're going to experience times where you are unappreciated, you are unwanted, and you are misunderstood. Why would I say that? Because who's the greatest servant ever to walk the earth? Jesus. And Jesus was constantly what? Unappreciated, unwanted, and misunderstood. And so I think, I think we will be too. Okay? So expect that. All right? Okay? Obstacle number three. Be willing to be less visible to others and more visible to God. Okay? One of the things that we love when we serve is for what? People to see. Right? That's kind of why we gravitate toward the positions is we, we want... We want, we want some kind of recognition. And, and to serve greatly, okay, the great ones. This is probably why there won't be any preachers who will be great in heaven. It'll be, it'll be other people. Why? Because we're seen too much. But here, here's, what, here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 12. He's talking about the body, the body of Christ. And, and the metaphor is a physical body. And, and, and he says this. I'm going to start reading in verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor can the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Did you hear what he just said? The parts of the, of the body, the church, that seem to be weaker are actually more necessary. Okay? Verse 23. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And on our unpresentable parts, we are, are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require but God has composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. He's using the picture of a physical body. Which would you rather lose, pinky or heart? Which one is more important to you? You oil full guys, you know the answer to this, right? Some of you don't have pinkies, right? Or You can go without your pinky. You can't go without your heart. Which one's more visible? Pinky, right? Nobody sees the heart. Every time you drink tea, pinky's right in people's face, right? It's visible. So if you're going to be a great servant, you got, you got to learn to be less visible and be okay with that. you got to learn that there's a whole lot of stuff you're going you're gonna to suffer through and struggle through, and nobody but God's going to see. That's okay, isn't it? That's okay. 
Finally, last obstacle. If you're going to look to serve, you're probably going to come to know and love a lot of people that you would never rub shoulders with otherwise. Okay? You know, you know why I say that? Jesus is the king of kings. Okay? And yet, when you read through the Gospels, who is he around all the time? The demonized, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the terminally ill people, the Samaritan woman with the scandalous past. Kings don't hang around those kind of people unless you're the servant king. Because serving, it's going to change your circle. I think for a lot of people, it's going to make your life a lot more exciting, okay? Because most of the time when all we're around is people just like us, those people aren't very exciting. I mean, you got to get out to the folks that are in need. And then, then you start finding a whole other world of folks who really need the gospel. And man, it, that's, that's exciting. That's, that's where the, the fun begins. And sometimes not fun, but, but interesting. Why should you do this? You're going to do this or not do this, whether you trust Jesus. Do you trust him? Do you trust what he says about greatness? Because I, I, I firmly believe it's in every one of us to want to be great. And so if, if you will trust what he says about being first, about greatness, about thrones, about exaltation, man, we'll, we'll walk out of here looking for who we can serve. Let me leave you with 1 Peter. 1 Peter 5, 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Man, I, I can't wait to see what that's going to look like with you guys. At the proper time he may exalt you. What a promise. What a promise. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I ask you, God, to give us the engine to serve. God, to give us the, the will to serve well. God, to give us the desire to, to spend our lives and to pay the price for those in need. God, I, I pray that you would work humility in us. God, that just this ability to take our eyes off of ourselves and, and to put them on you and to put them on others. God, to receive your riches and turn and give them away. God, I, I pray, Father, make us great servants. God, I pray that Lincoln Avenue would be a place of, of greatness. God, be, give, us, give us the ability to, to be invisible even. God, to, to serve when, when no one's looking. God, to, to trust you, Lord, to make all those things right. God, give us the ability to reach out into circles that we're, we're not comfortable in. God, give us the ability to overcome the obstacles of being misunderstood or unappreciated. God, help us to, to be willing to do the hard thing. God, I, I pray that you just put in the minds of each one here this morning ways that they can serve this afternoon. God, let this be immediate in our application. Let us... Let us apply it right away, Father. God, I pray it in Christ's name. Amen.